Hello and welcome to the Edge of the Box Football Podcast, the show where we aim to challenge football convention with thought-provoking and outside-of-the-box points of view. Should Liverpool sack Jurgen Klopp if they don't make the top four this season? I mean, of course they shouldn't, really. But later, we explore a few interesting reasons as to why change might actually be a good thing at Liverpool, even if it hurts. Elsewhere, we're talking Jose Mourinho, Julian Nagelsmann, racism, and we're tearing up and rewriting the offside rule. I'm your host, Harry Brent. Since the year 2000, we like that phrase here, since the year 2000, 11 players have played for both Chelsea and Atletico Madrid, given that they've played each other this week. I don't expect you to name all 11 because none of you are Chelsea fans, so that might be a bit hard. Um, but if I say, can you name seven? I'll give you a target of seven. So this is since... Diego Costa. Diego Costa is Felipe correct. Luis. Felipe Luiz is correct. Morata. Morata is three. Fernando uh, Torres. Courtois. Four, four, Torres and Courtois, four and five. Um, uh, Falcao. Yes, six. Nice one. Oh, nice. Strikers seem to be the common... There is two more strikers on this list. Fabregas? Did he start off a... Not a striker. No, no, not a striker, but I mean just (laughs) as a player in general. Uh, No, yeah, he's he's not on the list. I started Barca. Um, All right, I'll give you you some... some, Give us... Some slight clues. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're thinking sort of early to mid noughties Chelsea with all of them. Think um, Abramovich's first. Kesman? Kesman's, yeah, Kesman's one. Uh, There's two that were there before Abramovich. you know, and for a while, one of them was, you know, one of Chelsea's big, big players. Centre forward. Drogba? Not Drogba, no. No. But, but no. Chelsea's Drogba before Drogba, arguably. Dutch. Hasselbank. Van Sonnenfeld. Yes, Hasselbank. <laughs> Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Yeah. Um, and Sorry. then... The three others, to be honest, I mean, the three others they're left, I, I wouldn't necessarily expect non Chelsea fans to get. Um, Is one? No, Boudaboo's, no. Uh, he was. Um... Oh, where was Boudaboo's from? Can't remember. Uh, the others were Jesper Gronkjaer, Thiago, and then Manish. Oh. Before we go on to the main stuff, I, I just have a quick fire question for you, Ash. Um, if I gave you the option right now to swap Jose Mourinho for Julian Nagelsmann, would you do it? Can I, can I phone a friend? <laughs> uh, 50-50, if you like. Can't phone Poch. You can't phone Pochettino. <laughs> We, no, no. You wouldn't no, do it. No. Is that pride talking or is that or is that is that a, a little bit of pride? There's also a like a forty million pound buyout clause if you if we oh, oh, Jose Mourinho's yeah, contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right, we'll like, say we'll say forget that that's there, hypothetical oh, but yeah. Don't hide yes. behind the finance, Ash. Yeah. You're a very financial <laughs> thinker, Ash. Yeah. Wow, businessman, aren't I? No, but yeah, uh, Julian Nogsman was like, what, one of the most playing exciting young coaches in the world? Of course, I'd take him a ton. <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame Mourinho, to be honest. can't really. He's just I mean, behind the times, isn't he, really? I don't even know if it's that. It's just... No, I, I, to be fair, I'd probably be absolutely raging about the uh, West Ham game right now if Gareth Bale weren't so good in it. Yeah. Like, I, I that was the only, like, up to that point, I was absolutely... <laughs> Apoplectic. I think you were quite unlucky in that game, to be honest. Like, yeah, me too. Um, how are you, Bal? Below us, what are you doing? (laughs) We're so bad. We are so bad. What's annoying about the city game is that 
it, there's no shame in losing to City, but it's the manner in which we lost. Like it's like we were just cowards and didn't even try. Like fair enough, you you don't you shouldn't concede, but if you do, fine. I I can see us going withdrawing back into our shells and trying to be solid. But then for the last twenty minutes, you've got to go for it because City. Yeah, this is where well, that. Like, it's like never... you didn't change your game plan after they scored. It's like, well, yeah, let's hold them out. Let's... Yeah, it's like one nils against these. That's really good. Let's, let's keep the one nil clean sheet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you should have just gone for it and then making, bringing Sabios on five minutes ago, Lacazette, and I think it was Smith Rowe with. It's like, what do you expect them to do in that, in the 15 minutes? Like, bring them on in the 60th minute or so. Aubameyang wasn't playing well. You've I don't know, like, he, he just seems a bit weak and a bit cowardice, Arteta, and it's like, just go for it. Like, I'm sure all Arsenal fans would have been happy if we lost 2-0, knowing that we've gone for it, than if we lose 1-0, knowing that we didn't even try. Yeah. Whereas Mourinho's thing is, well, <laughs> we might have lost 2-0 to Chelsea, but they only had two shots on target, so they held them out for the inside again. Uh, they, yeah. Their two chances were goals. It was a foul. <laughs> And how many chances did you create, Jose? Uh, none. <laughs> the foul out and Sue check on regular when you know when you pass that, that's a foul, right? Absolute foul. Mm. Oh, yeah, I don't know I if anyone that. else agrees with me. I, I, I but, saw that. Yeah, yeah, it did. Like, passes the ball and then like clatters in. Clatters into him, like jumps into him, like you know, he, he has complete control of what he's doing. It's and then of... there was that offside. <laughs> In the build-ups, they go, I don't even know what they're looking at. I was like, looks on side to me, bud. Like Again, as, as mentioned before, on when I cut a couple of pods ago with our conversation on VAR, like these things would be kind of frustrating, but you kind of go, well, okay, these things happen. But with VAR, it just becomes more infuriating when things like that happen, you know, little offsides or pushes off the ball. You're like, well, we have this technology. Why are we not? You well, yeah, you you, you you showed that video, Harry, of uh, Harry Maguire against yeah. Newcastle. Um, That's crazy, yeah. Just elbowing a bloke. Yeah. Oh, was, that, be just... was that a penalty, do you think, Joe Willick on Rashford? I've I, 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 not seen it yet. Oh, you've not seen it? So it was for the third goal, the penalty, and Rashford sort of fakes Joe Willick, and then I think Joe Willick plants his foot but it's mm-hmm. sort of not on Rashford's foot. It's almost beside it. And I think Rashford, it seems, Rashford seems to go over his foot. So it was a, another like, really controversial decision. Check it out, guys. One. Yeah, I, I've not seen it, but I heard, I, I sort of read about it and it sounded very dubious. Mm. And I think, again, just proves my point about this is, you know, cam- a million camera angles is never really going yeah. to provide an answer it's to it. all interpretation. Yeah. Human error. Uh, what's going on with Klopp? What's going on with Liverpool? What's what's causing it? God, what's going on? So mate, crazy. Um, like it, it, just, it was quite windy. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. He's um, yeah, but yeah. Well, we've been sort of trying to. It's it's weird, isn't it? Because you don't have to rewind that far in this. You know how last season it, the whole theme was Liverpool are doing amazing and Man City are doing awfully. That was kind of the, the the way that this season started as well, wasn't it? Like Liverpool were like quite not miles in front, but they were they were doing all right, and then they weren't in front at all. Like, even in like yeah, Spurs were uh, all the likes of that three weeks only, at the top, of, you know. It's <laughs> only been like a month and and a month or two ago, and and suddenly it's all flips. Like, what's going on? What's why is why is Klopp is Klopp, it's, it's, Klopp it's, done? It's very is easy. No, no, Harry's not done. And you know, you know that, and I know you have to ask the question, but you know it's not. It's very simple. They they are playing like a team that have no defence, <laughs> and they're playing like a team who also have no midfield because the midfielders are having to play in defence in order to play the way they want with the the long diagonals to the to the wing backs. Yeah, so, I mean, you're you you so you you got Van Dijk, who's main 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 defender, obviously. And he has a fantastic, fantastic ball distribution. And he can hit a diagonal ball to Trent across the pitch and Trent can take it in his stride. So yeah. the balls he was getting when defenders were playing at the back of Henderson within the midfield were too square to him. So he wasn't running along with them. So he was 
like about 20 yards further back than he would be. So the attacking movements wouldn't be as good. Mm. So to to prevent that, he's moved Henderson back there mm-hmm. to get a better angle at the um, at the diagonal ball through to Trent for that distribution from the back. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then work back in Henderson in midfield. And then they've got a million other injuries as well. I mean, it's difficult to manage. They're, they're, obviously, their injuries are, they've had a lot of injuries, um, you know, and that's some some form of an excuse. But I think Carragher made a good point um, recently, uh, this week actually. He said, we talk, you know, obviously everybody talks about all the injuries and obviously they have they have them and, and any team would would be less, um, you know, efficient and strong, you know, if, if they had the same key players out. But he was saying, you know, this, uh, you look, you go through England, uh, England, you go through Liverpool's lineup in, in, in these games and they've got a seven, eight, nine players who were, who won the Champions League, you know, and then plus players like, I know he's not always been fit, but players like Thiago, you know, it's not, a, I don't think it's a question of saying, yeah, I don't think it's a question of saying that Liverpool are just completely injury ravaged and, and so of course they can't, but like he made the point of saying, you can understand why they would drop points, but it's not like they have, they no longer have a team that can beat Burnley at home or West Ham at home or even Everton at home. Like they still have a fantastic squad. And if, if, um, as you say, Ash, it is about, you know, these players being out, being so damaging to the actual way that they play and the system that they play, then is that not a mark of like, is that not Klopp's job to, to sort of, if he's created a system, as you say, that's so dependent on specific players doing specific roles in specific positions, then football, you get in, you, injuries are a part of football. You have to prepare for that. Is that not Klopp's fault then? I think you've got to look at it as when Klopp first got into the Liverpool job and the squad that he had then in comparison to the squad he has now, he was still getting results with that squad when he first came in, which everybody looked at and went, Wow, fair enough. Because when you look at the squad now, in comparison to what uh, the title-winning one, uh, title-winning squad was, and the Champions League-winning squad was, you go, how the hell did he even manage to get a string of results to get into them competitions? So it is. It must be frustrating as a Liverpool fan, because from a bit of an outsider point of view, I think he's very stern in these ways and his methods. Because, like you were saying, how he's built up this squad to how he wants to play. And now it's like you must you must play this, and it's almost like he hasn't got a plan B or a plan C because he hasn't got practically any centre backs. And you know, it's quite unheard of to have so many centre backs out, um, and you know, unfortunate. But he's still yeah. persistent with with his ways, and surely you'd think after maybe the first one or two results, even with Henderson there being a captain, instilling all the you know, the uh, the methods that Klopp wants and making sure that every player is in the right position, um, being that like that figure at the back rather than the figure in midfield uh, and still not working, you've got to question yourself and go, all right, is there a time now where I need to change up some of the tactics? You, you think know? that's what he should do? Uh, I don't know if that's exactly what he should do, but I just think he needs to, he needs to be doing something. I, I think it's the opposite. I think... The most worrying thing about Liverpool is that they've lost their intensity, they've lost their explosiveness, they've lost their fluidity. That's what made Liverpool such a good team. They, they, they didn't. Their first line of defence was their attack. So you mm. had Mane and Salah and Firmino all putting pressure on the opposition's defence to the, the point press. where what was that? Has? The Gagan press. The ga- yeah, the Gagan press, and that's. That almost relieves. So, if you have a poor defense, that almost relieves some pressure because mm. you're almost you're penning in the opposition to the point where they can't get it to their midfield. Who then get it to their strike? They have to go long, and you have players who can just collect the ball and recycle it. For me, I think he needs to go back to that. I think, and Ash, I know you mentioned their sort of Virgil Van Dyke being missing, but Van Dyke played in that seven-two defeat to Aston Villa. Yeah, they obviously they got the drew with Everton and that's when he got injured but then after that they went on that crazy run where people didn't even talk about Van Dyke. so I think Van Dyke is 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 an understandable excuse but 
the more pressing matter is trying to get Liverpool to play that game and press, to play, play that intensity, that heavy meta football. Because I feel like that will relieve the defence, that will mm. help them out. I tend to I tend to agree in the sense that like I think you can see a lot of similarities to City last year and Guardiola last year and, and in some ways like the rise of those two teams came it, it almost seems like an an absolute parallel like so just City were a year in front you know how like cuz um we we've talked previously about teams running themselves in a in three or four year cycles it kind of felt like City was coming to the end of that cycle um, last year and had had the dip of, you know, after two or three years of brilliance. And Liverpool are kind of, you know, you could argue that a mirror image of that just a season later. And I sort of tend to agree, Dave, and we're seeing it with Guardiola, if he just sort of holds his nerve and sticks to, sticks to what he knows and just kind of rides out this this bad form. No, I'm not necessarily suggesting that changing nothing is is mm. is the thing as you say Ro. He, it may need to come down to some sort of change but it, it seems it, you know i think guardiola is the perfect the perfect example of just just trusting in 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 what you are understanding and accepting that that there is going to be dips in mm. terms of the uh pressure thing that you were talking about i really do see what you mean um especially with um Firmino and Mane it's like they cannot be bothered yeah, yeah. Right. So, no, I think Sal is the only one who's actually still at it for me, and that's only because he's really hungry for goals and wants to, mm-hmm. you know, improve and get his stats up, and that's fine. And like, if that's why he wants to play the way he does, that's that's mm. fair enough. But especially for me, no, I feel that um, it's like if, if if the ball doesn't fall to his feet perfectly, he's not he's not trying to pull something off. He's not he's not fighting to get to the ball. He's not, you know, he's not fighting to get in a position to even like. <laughs> to, to, to even attempt to do anything, really, unless it falls perfectly for him. There's, well, no, there's no drive, in, in there's essence, no ambition. In essence, do you think that the striking force have been spoilt over the last two or three seasons as the pressure's been slowly relieved off them? Do you think that as strikers, they've got used to that and in a way they've quite spoilt with not having to deal with that pressure and now that it's come back, it's kind of like, well, no, we don't want to do this again now. Like We, we want to play our way but we don't really want to track back because that's like the old Liverpool or the start of the Klopp era Yeah the team ethic seems to be I mean to be harsh sort of non-existent and that was more used and echoed as well I that one Liverpool that each player plays for the team it's all about the collective it's not about the individual and maybe Sal is the exemption for that because obviously like you said he, he seems to be the one that needs and wants to score goals but yeah Firmino sort of he's non-existent he's not even he's no longer working hard and you mentioned it again he, he he used to sacrifice getting goals because that would mean that Salah and Mane would, could, would get goals but he just doesn't look like he wants to put in the effort Mane is disinterested Thiago who I was never a big fan of has for the Liverpool system yeah for the Liverpool even at Bayern Munich I just mm. I wasn't impressed with it I just thought he's someone who showboated needlessly and mm. who was flattered by having really good players around him. Oh, uh, I can ping the square ball 30 yards. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. It's all about the Hollywood pass. And it's like, no, football's more than that. And he seems to slow down their play. He he doesn't have that work ethic, which a Liverpool midfielder has to have. For yeah, I remember when he came on for half, at half a game against 10 men Chelsea, and oh, he was suddenly yeah. like the best footballer yeah, in the world yeah, rolled, rolled the ball over his studs a couple of times and people started salivating yeah I mean we, I think we said it at the time we were like because it was obviously a scary prospect because he'd done so well with Bayern and then Liverpool the champions runaway champions had bought him but I think we all said at the time like he's not going to fit like it just he's not that, the, he's not a Liverpool centre midfielder and and then again I think they did a piece on on Monday Night Football again I mean, he's doing the he's doing the role of Fijnaldum and Henderson, that kind of water carrier, industrious tackling track. He's a little man. He's he's yeah. not very big. He's, no, exactly. He's, he's not very big. He's not very quick. He's not very physical at all. I think I think he's conceded the most fouls per game of any Liverpool player. Like, you know, it's silly. Well, I'm just looking at some stats here, and out of all the players under Jurgen Klopp, the one that's made the most appearances is 
Roberto Firmino. Do do you guys? Yeah, I was going to say, do do you guys think that this is now a case of of just maybe where change for the sake of change is? I think they need a a number nine. They need Haaland. They need a player like Haaland, a player who's going to hold up. Don't give him any ideas. (laughs) Eighteen goals in his last thirteen Champions League games has. um, I think they. I think they would have sold one of them last season if COVID were a thing. Personally. I mean, they're all they're all the exact same age. There's going to get a time where it's too late, and you're going to need to replace all three of them in one transfer window. And that's Mm. something you just can't really do. There's been that rumor out there about Mbappe, but they've just they got um, Minamino. Was it from Salzburg? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously he's out on loan at Southampton. Obviously he showed good glimpses in the Champions League when he was at Salzburg, but he's not really hit the ground running as of yet because he's doing all right at Southampton, though. No, but I mean like Liverpool Liverpool wise, yeah, he's doing all right. But I just mean he's not. uh, He's just not doing as as well, or he can't even get into the team because obviously you got them high profile players. Jota. As well. Jota, Jota, Jota would yeah. be the replacement. Self, Self, Amin, I'll get Jota in there. Yeah, I mean, he he was he was sort of keeping him out of the team or keeping one of those three out of the team every week at the start of the year, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, then he's obviously he's got injured, hasn't he? And yeah, just, wow, yeah. Now Henderson's Henderson's injured for five weeks. As well, <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, I, but I, I, yeah, I do think that uh, for all the things I sling at Ferguson, uh, you know, obviously a fantastic manager, but for all the things I sling at him, I think one thing that he did really well is just continually refresh the team. Yeah, it's not on Klopp, though, is it? Anymore? No, not particularly, but but uh, but just Liverpool generally. And, and yeah. as, as you said, Ash, I, I think you're probably right. If COVID wasn't around, they probably would have... Salah's always the one that's linked with an exit. Salah. Yeah, because Salah don't want to be there. Salah no. wants to be at Barcelona or Real Madrid. He wants to be at one of them clubs. So he can win the Ballon d'Or. Because he feels, if he, apparently, he feels, if he had the season that he had when he was breaking all his records, yeah. but he was at Barcelona or Real Madrid, he reckons that he would have won the Ballon d'Or. I guess if he leaves, Salah could be an interesting replacement for him. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Have the finance. Um, should, I mean, I think we kind of answered this question anyway, or at least pretty without saying it. But we wrote it down before the episode, so I'm going to ask it anyway. Should Klopp get sacked if Liverpool don't reach the Champions League this year, as in get in top four? I think he should only be sacked if they don't make Europe. So yeah. I Europa League. Yeah. But what? But what's the di- what's the difference? Like that out of the top four is a is a huge disappointment for Liverpool. Surely, like. Just avoid a Europa because they don't, they don't want. Because I think it's also as superficial and shallow as it seems. There's also an aesthetic. Like mm. it's okay if you finish fifth. It's like fifth is bad, but not as bad, obviously, compared to like eighth. Sort of do, thing. do you not? Do you not take the approach of like? It's maybe a bit difficult now because they've only really had a bad run of form for like a month or what, or a month and a half. But you know, if they. Is they've it played not so many games in that time, though. Yeah, is it? They've, they've not won at home in twenty twenty. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it's mad. Um, it's they've, not, they've not, they've not, they've not scored a goal from open play at home in twenty twenty. Twenty twenty one. Mad to think that twenty twenty one. a year yeah. ago, you'd, you'd think that's crazy. But yeah, is there not a sense of just going like, do you know what? Like we, this season is is a mess up. Like we don't need to. You know, Pressure it's already us. it's already screwed. We we we're out of the title race, and that in of itself is a massive failure. So, so you know, I know I I understand what you mean about there's a kind of prestige of not finishing so low, but like, what difference does it make to Liverpool if you if you're eighth or seventh? You know what I mean? Money. <laughs> yeah, fucking finance guy here. Fucking money. I think it's so. Oh, yeah. However lame it may be, to keep around a manager that has basically helped rebuild Liverpool into this formidable. Yeah. I think it's also Mane Sauer and Firmino, 28 years old. If they don't make Europe, then I mean they want to be playing. Exactly, that's yeah. exactly what I'm thinking. It's, it's bad, but it's not not finished and not getting to Europe bad. I think is my point. So yeah, no. you can the Champions League because you've got Leicester who are doing exceedingly well, Manchester United, Aston Villa Everton could sneaker position so it's West Ham yeah that's West the thing there's, there's a lot of strong it's not like that. you know how it used to be when there was you know two or three title chases and then the rest were kind of a bit ordinary like there's 
there's about eight or nine teams that are like and that's that's why I've mentioned it because it's they're playing very badly, but other teams are playing very well. So that's why if it's you can understand finishing maybe lower down, but you still have to make Europe would be mm. like a prerequisite. While if you finish outside that, I, I think you need to go. You would need to be sat. I think no matter what. It, unless they get relegated, which I don't <laughs> think is mathematically possible anymore. Um, I don't think they should take him. Just, I mean, no. take, for example, the, the Pochettino Tottenham thing. Now, suddenly, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Now, not all, not all of them. I didn't. I didn't think. Uh, it was no, a good I, I know. Idea. I know you didn't. I know you were one of the one of the one of the Poch ones. But I was one of the loyal few. But now but you was early, you was early to jump on the just, Mourinho train. It's, it's, it's got to support you, man. Yeah. You can't forget how much Klopp has taken Liverpool on. Oh, and yeah, completely made them into. They are the best. You know, twelve months ago they were undisputedly the best team in the world, or whatever. Or, you know, however long ago it was. Uh, and he, Bayern Munchen, right? <laughs> and he took them from, um, and he took them from a you know a position where they weren't challenging for the for the title at all, and you know built up this this incredible so it, you know much in the same way that Pochettino did with with Spurs and it's just silly to suddenly go right we, he's taken the standards of this club up a hell of a lot and as soon as he's for one brief time period stops achieving the standards that he set himself you kind of go right we don't want you anymore they will be left red faced if they sack him and replace him with some sounds like a Chelsea mentality that yeah well exactly you know and and but even like I don't, Chelsea wouldn't have probably wouldn't have given him the time to build, you know, no, the, the no. thing that he had. The so. thing is with with this though, the the only the, the, the only rumblings coming from about it, coming from a year for a Jurgen Klopp sacking are coming from non Liverpool fans, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that just says everything. There's not there's not like a, a mob of Liverpool supporters. Klopp right. Klopp out is trending all over Twitter. No. Yeah. You know what I mean? From Liverpool fans. It would be silly. What did, you, what did you say, Dave? This is a similar thing to happen at Dortmund. I mean, at Dortmund, they, I think they were yeah. for a while, and then he's managed to get them into seventh world. So, and the, yeah, they had a, they had a collapse in his final year, yeah. didn't they? And then he had it was a mutual agreement that he left actually, which is I think. Well, it just, then, how many years did he have out? Two, two years. So I think. Oh, was it three? I think his contract expired in 2018. I think he left in 2015. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe Julian Nagelsmann will go there. Oh, I mean, he's challenging for a title, isn't he? Only two yeah. points behind by Munich. Mm. It would have been somewhat poor this season. I think Hasenhurt would be a good shout. I for it. Yeah, they play quite a similar type of football. He's got the players there already. No. Just any German speaking. <laughs> it doesn't. They don't have to be a manager. Just technical staff. <laughs> just, just chuck him in there. It'll be great. Angela Merkel. Angela Merkel, get her in. Yeah. No, nah, he um, shouldn't. He shouldn't. He shouldn't be sat though. Yeah, like, his his points per game ratios two point seventeen. So the only person ahead of him is Pep Guardiola. The person below him is Alex Ferguson. So he's still yeah. doing all right despite this month of, you know, bad results. I think it's what we mentioned when you brought it up with Pep. Has I think it's a case of you obviously don't sack him, but. You keep a watchful eye and see how he rebuilds next season. And if- yeah, I think Pep is the perfect because I mean, granted, we've not seen. And I still think there's a City have a long way to go. I don't think that team is is not fully. It's back, not yeah. It's not full yet. It's it's almost like the tanks two thirds full. There's still a third left to, to yeah. fill. But you had your you had your you had your sort of drop off from impeccable form. You had your mm-hmm. drop off, and you you held your nerve because it's Guardiola. But you held your nerve. And now you're seeing the fruits of that labour, and, and and you can and that you know we've gone from last you know again twelve months ago it was sort of feeling like well Guardiola has this aura about him but you know I don't know Klopp seems a bit and then now it's suddenly oh yeah Guardiola undisputedly the best manager of the Premier League <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean it, it just mm-hmm. sort of changes really quickly and I just yeah I think for that reason it, it, Liverpool will be mad not to trust that Klopp can eventually turn this around even if it takes a year. Fans can be fickle, Harry. If fans do turn, I wonder if Klopp would want to stick around or if, or if he'll think that. <clears throat> yeah, it, it might be. A, he's been there for what five, six years now, so it might just yeah. be time to 
to have do something else. Yeah. I had a thought that obviously there's been a lot of footballers and people related to football getting racist abuse on Instagram and Twitter. And there's been a lot of pressure from the Premier League on these social media sites uh, to, to obviously do something like um, obviously require ID to make an account because honestly it's not you're not privileged enough to need an you don't need an account to live like it's not a necessity in life if you want if you want an account put some details in for it if you want it that bugger you know what I mean yeah which is fair enough but do you think that the Premier League have reached out to the clubs and the clubs have spoken to the players and said listen if you get any kind of racist abuse I want you to report it to us because obviously there's been a massive rise recently of players coming out and speaking out saying oh I've been yeah, uh, racial abuse and stuff like that. Do you think that there has, due to this uh, taking the knee and the stand against racism, do you think that uh, racist incidents and racist abuse of players has increased, or do you think that the reporting of it's increased? Because we're hearing about it a lot more. So I do think, you think? I think both. Yeah, I think, you think both. I think since it's been highlighted initially, people are more on the lookout for it. And then it's just been, and then because of that, it's been exposed uh, more often than it potentially has been in the past. And, you know, it's great that it's been exposed, but it's, you know, it's terrible that it's still happening. I think um, it's like a double-edged sword sometimes. Um, Because, you know, the, the more you, it's not an excuse for anything, but I think the human nature is like, if you're, if something's topical or like in the news or pushed into the kind of public forum, then it's going to get met. It's going to get mentioned more. If someone like, if someone, let's say something horrible, like uh, someone's wife dies, player's wife dies. I bet if you did a study, the amount of abuse that he gets about his wife being dead would, or his wife, whatever, would increase the week that she dies or the month that she, whatever. So I think it's certainly the case that the rise in, you know, fighting racism has sparked more racism. Um, but, you know, I think it, it's, it must also be to, to do with the fact that they're actually now, because of that, taking a firm stance against it and just saying, look, we're not going to put up with this anymore. Like this is just ridiculous that we've let this kind of happen and, and are just fine with it. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I, I agree. Whatever, whatever's, whatever's um, like current, whatever's <clears throat> current seems to loom and circle mm. a lot. And it gets a point where when it first surfaces, there should be an instant action upon it straight away. And mm. unfortunately there isn't when a lot, like a lot of the time when these cases happen, it does tend to circle. It does tend to, to stick around for a little bit and then something happens. Then a reaction happens, uh, which is there to help be more positive to, you know, bring, bring down the, current situation or the current um yeah the current situation that we find ourselves in but then it's a case of how long can you keep that up whilst mm. because essentially if you're if you're then battling that you're helping it be more current if that makes any sense yeah it's like well so people's ears and eyes and stuff yeah yeah so like even though you're trying to promote um no, no racism in, in in football. At the same time, you're still making it current, and it's still looming there. And it's good. It's great that you're like. It's great that you're like saying, right, that's it. We don't want racism mm. in football because, well, number one, it shouldn't be at all anyway. But at the same time, like like you saying, how it, it is a little bit of a double edged sword where it is keeping it current, and I think because of that, you might get that reaction off certain particular citizens mm. because I don't know, maybe because it's in their face a bit more or because... You saw with like um, Marcus Rashford with the helping the ki- the kids to get free meals um, 
you know, as as you said, Ro, like that, a lot of people wouldn't particularly have been thinking about that. But him bringing it up doesn't just suddenly make it like okay, everyone's on the same page here. You, you're always going to have people who like you know abuse abuse you for it, or to you know have opposite are, are in opposition to it. But it would have just brought that issue up, and initially, always you're going to make it's going to ruffle feathers. But you know, if if the movement's good and 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 people are behind it, then eventually the right thing will happen, yeah. as as did with, well, person, you know, I think as did with that one. Okay, now we're talking offsides and what we think the rule should be given the existence of VAR. Josh, tell me what you're going to do. I'm going to tell you what I think should happen personally. What you and think then, the rule should be? Yeah, what the rule should be, mm-hmm. um, and then you can. Pick away at me. You can, you know, send well, me. On, to, yeah. so, you can the, send me to the gallows if you really want. Um, <laughs> are you going to tell us what the like? Are you going to run through what? The yeah, yeah. Is? So, player who's in an offside position, if any part of the head, body, or feet is in the opponent's half brackets, excluding the halfway line, and any part of the head, body, or feet is nearer to the opponent's goal line than both the ball and the second to last opponent. Head, the body, hands, or feet. Why don't they just say body? yeah? The hands, arms, the hands and arms of all players, including goalkeepers, are not considered. A player is That's not it. in an offside position if the level, if if level with the second to last opponent or the last two opponents. So that is the rules there, which is law eleven offside on the <laughs> FA website. Go look it up if you don't believe me. If uh, <laughs> you pricks. <laughs> um, so right, a lot of that you know, fair enough, makes sense. So. Yeah. But it all makes sense on paper, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense on paper. So why is it still being a big issue? Exactly. So maybe maybe we need to simplify it. So I propose to be in an offside position, you have to, you know, the one thing that can move you is your feet. Okay. They're the things that are making you move around on the pitch in football. So I propose uh-huh. that the furthest point of a foot... Sorry, the, the, the foot that's furthest forward, that is where the line of the where, where the line should be. Should if be you're drawn. should be drawn. Okay. Because people say, Oh well, what if he scores with his head or what if he scores with his heart, you know, his chest. Fair. They're just components of his body, but you know, essentially his feet are the ones moving his body. I had his these feet. His feet are the ones making him going into, into the position. So why does his head come into consideration where his position is? Because when you're running, if you're making a perfectly good time run, depending on if they've just set off, you know, sometimes you won't be running being as straight as an arrow pointing up to the sun. You'll mm-hmm. be at an angle sometimes because you need that momentum. You know, sometimes you, you lean forward. So having that go against you is really unfortunate because then your timing you could time it perfectly, but then if you go, oh, hold, hold on a second, the bridge of his nose is just <laughs> just past Van Dyke's shoulder, so he's offside. No, 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 no. That shouldn't be the case. He's timed it well. His feet are onside. Yes, he can score with his chest. Yes, he can score with his shoulder or his head. But that's so, not his shoulder but, and his head right. isn't the thing that's making him move. It's his feet. His feet and should where, be. Where would be the, where would the defensive line be? It, the defensive line would be, again be based on the feet, yeah. so it'd be the heel or the toe, which basically, whichever foot it's is furthest back, for, well, furthest forward attacking, furthest, furthest one back. Uh, if you're defending, that is how the offside rule should be in my eyes. But that I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree, but it's there's there must be somewhere like obviously this is all very new information to me what you're saying but there, there will there will probably be a way to exploit that somehow like <laughs> i.e. like defenders sliding in like to me to me for, it, for, for instance if, if you're like at a uh, if you've got a free kick coming in yeah what's what's stopping all the defenders just slide tackling nothing and playing everyone offside oh <laughs> uh, right well, but then, but then, like, like, like playing the offside part, generally, they'll still run that yeah, risk. Yeah. Of... <laughs> but, but, plus, I, but yeah, plus if, if all them players do go sliding in and then it actually isn't offside, they're all on the floor and they're going to take a lot longer to react if they go, Oh, actually, shit, they're, they're through on goal now. 
I was just trying to find somewhere to exploit him, but yeah. Yeah. So there's probably a way to exploit it. There probably will be. I completely agree. Yeah. And then because they also include like what is it the bottom of the sleeve? Yeah, yeah, the bottom with, with, with the sleeve. Yeah, it's like it, come it on. Feels, it feels counter. So Egby, would you? Would that be your rule as well then? Because yeah, I yeah. actually thought of a, an offside rule as well. Because I, <laughs> I, actually, I actually thought of it first. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> oh, it's just like uh, Harry and, and Ash last week with the pet peeve. <laughs> I know. I it's Harry, Harry and Ash every week with the pet peeve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought. Because I thought of it, I thought these guys are going to actually rip this to shreds. But I'm glad that Roe had the same thought. That just, just simplify it. Just simplify it. Just have them have to focus on sort of one singular component or less components. Because if you're looking at the head, if you're looking at, you know, an arm, if you're looking at the bottom of the sleeve, if you're looking at the foot, if you're looking at the knee, they're like too many components, and that's just overcomplicating it. Like Roe said, it's your, it's your feet that keep that moves mm-hmm. you. Yes, you can score with other parts of your body, but most likely you're going to score with your feet. So just focus yeah. on that. It, it'll, I think it'll definitely clear up the yeah. kind of frustration that, that people have with, as you say, like like when it's an armpit or, or a head or whatever. It just there, there is definitely a kind of unwritten like thing that makes that so frustrating. And I guess that would probably... You know, like when uh, athletics, when they're, when they're running in, in a race or whatever, and it's always, you know, foot behind the line and stuff yeah. like that. You can put your head as far forward as you want or whatever. Yeah. You're still considered to be on the same... You know, you're... You're, you're in the same position. You, you, yeah, you know, exactly. You're in the same position as the other people or you're technically even further back, depending on the timing of your run. You're not getting an advantage. The only advantage is... If you're facing one direction and defenders defenders facing the opposite direction, then mm. as a defender, you know your momentum isn't going to be sorry. You've not got as much momentum as the attacking player, so they're most likely going to have the mm. advantage when the ball's been played. No, I, I, I don't benefit know. aggressive aggressive defenders, I guess, coming out to actually tackle. Yeah, um, I, I I don't have um I I would be happy I'd be well I wouldn't be just happy yeah I, I'd be well in favour of that replacing the current rule, but I guess quickly thinking um one not necessarily drawback of it but the one problem it doesn't remove is you're still having you'll still have these minute kind of yeah size you know it, it would you know you'll still have a millimeter and this, this is I, this is where i step in go on then <laughs> so you guys have um obviously you've come up with your very simplified rules of Offside or very so i've gone in the complete opposite direction <laughs> I've got a 10 page dossier <laughs> So, I, my rationale. first implementation here, right, you get 10 centimetre intervals. The pitch will be broken up into 10 centimetre segments, right? Or five centimetre segments. <laughs> so on face is so intense right now. So you get that Ten. going all along, all along the touchline, all yeah. until the goal line, right? And they are for the benefit of the VAR team, right? So if in one of these little segments, right, there's a minute little VAR check, yeah, if you're in this segment, you are deemed to be in line with. Oh, how, how, is it, how is this? How is this working then? So is you've it, got your little segments. Is it, is it so computerized? So how's, how's the segments? How's this, is, it, was, is the segments like? Is it computerized is it, or is yeah. it short? Yeah. So the segments, obviously, like the the VAR tech they have at the minute is computerized, right? Yeah. yeah, but they're they're drawing lines from random places a lot of the times. So if you're drawing these, like if you've got these very set in strong lines on the touch line, yeah. So right, so the uh, the the furthest point of contact is here and here, right? Yeah. So it's it's between these two lines here. Yes. So if yeah. if it's between these two lines here, you are deemed to be in line with yes. the defender and thus okay. onside. Yeah, interesting. I've not thought of that. Um, I think I think. For that to happen, Ash, you know, it, it would it would be beneficial. But another way in which it could be even more accurate uh, would be with higher a higher speed of cameras. Yeah, that as well. I mean, cause Think, I, but, I know the shorter speed of cameras anywhere players can be anywhere. Like, yeah. So, but the only issue, the only issue with a high with a higher speed frame rate within cameras means that basically, when it takes a picture, it's going to take it. 10 times quicker so then you can basically see it clearer each time and because it does it 10 times quicker it's not allowing as much light in to the lens a little bit of photography lesson here for you um high short speeds yes short, short speed so basically for this 
for VAR to be super like accurate and extreme, and you know, if people are saying, "Oh well, the shutter speed of the cameras, they can't keep up with certain players," or it's not as clear uh, as it should be to say, to say that you know it's advanced technology, they'll need these kind of cameras. But then for that to happen, you still you need it to be constantly bright. So even yeah. even on a a day, like you know, it might seem quite clear. They might not need yeah constantly bright England. Yeah, that's what I mean. But I mean, like, it might be daylight, but then they might need you might need the floodlights on just twenty four seven. Who's paying for this technology? Instagram. Well, exactly. <laughs> no, but I'm just mean. I mean, like, I'm just think, like just continuing with what Ash was saying. Yeah. To be even more accurate, they need faster cameras. But for faster cameras, you need light. But they've just Otherwise... paid millions, like millions of pounds to implement the cameras that they've already got. <laughs> so on, going, just going back to, to your thing, Ash. So are you saying that in w- with these little segments, so if you're if you're both, you know, if you're in a segment together with the last defender, yeah. you're deemed level. So yeah. you have, I know it's only 10 centimetres, but then you or have... Or five, or like, whatever. Or like whatever. I've not really but, gone into like the, the, yeah. the, the intricate size of it, yeah. but if you have like a, a but he, small, like very small intervals, yeah. like... But either way, you, you would in that system have situations where the attacker is more advanced than than the is is close to the goal than the defender do you not i mean i i am again possibly all for that if they manage to put put this sort of system in with with the yeah, right yeah but i mean if you, if you, if you get the intervals or the would, segments small enough then uh, again with the shutter speed or like anything like it's the, yeah. the, you could have the times where <laughs> obviously they are offside but it, by the by the rules now they are offside yeah. But they'd be given onside, but it's like, would you, people be that mad about that? Like, I guess if it's if it's small enough, but I think in the same way, at would, least it would be consistent, and that's not what we're getting right now. Yeah. It would be consistent. But no, yeah, I guess in 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 an ideal situation, if you had, it's all computerized, right? It's not done with cameras. It's kind of done yeah, like but, like I mean, goal line technology where they can when they can censor it, right? Well, it's caught on camera. But then, what I'm saying is, when do they? Uh, yeah, I suppose on camera. Um, I think yeah, you'd, I think you'd still. It's caught on camera, people. and then obviously you see very clearly that, like, obviously the lines will be computerized. I'd imagine yeah. on the camera, so the camera will tell you what line it's between. Yeah, and then you say, right, well, is this is over? Like you know. <laughs> <clears throat> This is this is for a long outside. time to get used to the idea of someone the attacker being more advanced than that being on, but but yeah, but it's if, like, it's, if it's small if, enough, if it it's that much to be, if it's if it's like a big enough gap where it's like, yeah, yeah, he's definitely offside. You could see that anywhere, mm. so it's quite clearly seeable. So it's like mm. it's just for those little little ones. That's what the um, Dutch offside rule is. So they have like a ten margin of error, so they don't have it across the pitch. They just have it lined up. Like, I am Dutch, it seems. Wait, wait, wait. but but a margin, <laughs> but a margin for error, as in like, okay, so yeah, that's different. Carry on, carry on, carry on. I'd imagine, but carry so, on, so yeah. say take you take the segments. Like if you're looking at like the segment idea of mine, you you'd start the segment from like where yeah. the player is instead of having predefined segments, and that would be your margin yeah. of error. So yeah, I think they line it up. They so they would do the normal lining up of. The, the last, like the furthest player, and I think they have like two five centimeter lines, and then I think they put them. So if if the player's foot um, comes within both lines, I think then that player's onside, even though even if he's slightly off. So it's sort of like they they allow a margin of error. Now that you've said that, it's very nicely segueing into what my offside uh, rule is, because it's quite similar to Ashes in a way, but it's all, more sort of similar to that. But my whole point of, of this is I think we are far too obsessed with offside than we should be. We, it, we, there's, this, there's this obsession with knowing exactly, right, hang on. If if people could have the opportunity he's a, he's to zoom in, off. exactly. If they could have the opportunity to zoom in with a microscope to tell whether someone's offside, they'd do it. And I think that's completely missing the point of offside. The offside rule was put in place to stop goal hanging. That's why it's there. That's why it's historically there. That's all it's preventing. It's preventing this negative play of just someone standing by the goal. With that in mind, and as as you said, Ro, like like um, you know. W- 
and Ash, you've touched upon it as well. If someone has the very minutest of advantage over the defender, that's not what the rule is there to prevent. We, no one argues that that's an unfair advantage. No one thinks that. It's just we become so obsessed with 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 what offside with the with the kind of intricacies of the offside rule that we just forget what actually it's it's supposed to be doing so my rule would be similar to the to the dutch one in a way would be basically hand power back to the linesman and allow for this um i didn't particularly have a number for it but allow for this margin of error and basically say this is when we use var it's when we realize that the linesman have effed up yeah. And basically kind of go, okay, oh, okay, he's, he's, a, he's a couple of centimetres offside. That's fine, because he's not gained a massive advantage enough for you to penalise it. The whole point of the, of the offside rule was to stop this cynical, I'm standing by the goal. And unless they're, you know, if, they, if they're just, a, just as kind of half a, you know, quarter of a second in front of somebody, I don't think that's a problem. I did think of potentially, you know how on running tracks they have them cameras that go along the running track. Yeah. Yeah, but you've got like 22 men to watch. You could literally have one on either side that are like perfectly in line with yeah. like a laser that's attached to them or something. Um, like an invisible laser. And then you could have someone who who's controlling it or it's basically monitoring the last line of the defender. So like a linesman. Like a linesman, yes, and that and, and then that, like that, that, that could idea. that that could be a lot a lot more accurate. But it's just got you can actually see down down the line, and it's got like a oh, yeah. a technical laser. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think what really we should like, also and then, do, and then just keep the linesman what, just what for goal should, kicks, goal kicks, corners, and throwing decisions. What, what we should also do, I think, is that, I mean, we should extend this. We should extend this. We should get a sort of. Um, a, a mechanical um, sort of Referee. robot thing that can move around the pitch and make decisions that are not. It's not on the pitch. It hovers. It hovers. No, no, but the, no. I'm saying this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it hovers yeah. above the pitch, and it can kind of make these, and it decides on things like fouls yeah. and handballs, and it could uh, be like a drone, or yeah. like, like the camera that's on wires at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I think if we can do that, I think we've I think we've sorted football lads. I think that's yeah. It. Just get rid of all human kind of judgment. Do, do you know robots. what we should do? Give it we to the robot. Fuck off the whole thing. Stop playing it. This is pointless. Yeah, no yeah, one can fucking agree anymore. Put this off. Put the podcast off. It was nice knowing you. Uh, we'll talk about floral arrangements instead. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much again for joining us and you can tune into our floral arrangement podcast next week. Edge of the pot, is that funny? I don't think it is. Um, anyway, you uh, could give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter, both handles at edge of the box pod. And that's everything from us. We'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.